So we're on the podcast, Four Thoughts of Our Founders, the Higher Education Leadership Foundation with Dr. Stevie L. Lawrence II. And he's talked about his upbringing, uh, Princeville, the fact that he had some good, strong roots um, and knew precisely that receiving an education at a historically black college and or university uh, was the only route for him. We have talked about, um, you know, the, the formidable years. What was your first gig out of college, man? <laughs> so my first gig out of college, you know, I said I was a history major. And so I, I was still kind of toying between whether or not I wanted to do government work and hire it. I liked them both. And so that's the history and the um, graduate degree in public mm-hmm. administration because I knew it would allow me to kind of ultimately figure out which which way I was going to go. So my first gig outside of uh, college was working at the Haytai Heritage Center um, in Durham, North Carolina. Because okay. I, yeah, I went yeah. To, to graduate school immediately after um, um, undergrad. So graduated May, I was right back in graduate school in August. Okay. Um, and so I was a marketing and programs coordinator there. And so it was education related because my, my task was to go out into the community and meet with um, principals and teachers and kind of bring what we had to offer as it related to cultural arts programming to um, the schools and mm-hmm. to the students and community centers. So I had to kind of market our services out to um, the community or the city of Durham. And so I, I did that for about a year. Any, and, um, any invaluable skills or tools you picked up then that you uh, that were a foundation for uh, where you are today? Absolutely. Networking, man, networking, 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 mm-hmm. um, trying to build the proper relationships to achieve a goal was a, a huge component of the work um, at the Haytai Heritage Center. And, mm-hmm. and and just working in a place like that, you develop even a greater um, appreciation for the African-American experience. And Durham mm-hmm. is a very rich place um, as well. I mean, you, you know that you spent some time in North Carolina yourself. Yeah. So um, Durham, is a, as it relates to African-American heritage, you know, if you're in the right spaces, you get that. And so that Haytai District and the Haytai Center was, was a great fit for me. Um, right out of um, undergrad. So you talked about um, really cultivation and stewardship of people, mm-hmm. right? Because that, that is um, what really makes this world go around. Who you know will get you there, will get you there but what you know will keep you there. Um, mm-hmm. I remember Jimmy Jenkins telling me that in 98, and it, it resonated then and still resonates on some level still to this day. Um, the 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 thread between being a young guy um not quite in your career but you you're really learning valuable lessons um at the first place while you're going to uh, graduate school and getting a master's um what was the first gig in higher education what what led you or what was the opening was that right after graduate school or did that happen before graduate school ended like, it happened it happened um during graduate school, I would say it wasn't at, you know, absolutely in higher education. It mm. was um, a nonprofit organization based out of Washington, D.C. called Common Cause. 
Okay. And so it's Very a, a political advocacy. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I was hired as the HBCU outreach coordinator okay. uh, for the North Carolina office. And my job was to partner with um, divisions of student affairs, academic affairs, and um, clubs and organizations on college campuses to promote civic engagement and awareness among students at um, black colleges. So did you, um, and, and did, did, did you travel? Did you interface with the 104 or, or did, did you do, um, how, how was, what was your mode of contact with those institutions? Sure. So, so we, it was a very small project and, okay. and because the North Carolina office is small, um, we, I was tasked with working with the three, um, three HBCUs, North Carolina A&T, North Carolina Central, okay. and Fayetteville State. So um, I already was kind of familiar with um, the terrain there, which I think probably made the executive director there hire me <laughs> being an alum of A&T. Yeah. Already working on North Carolina, uh, uh, getting my master's from North Carolina Central was a perfect fit. And um, it was a great opportunity because during that time, it was during the time um, by which um, Obama was running, President Obama was running for um, the President of the United States. I see. And so what what better way to be um, engaged with college students and um, working with this organization to get them motivated? Of course, it was um, nonpartisan, but we all knew within ourselves who we were going to vote for, but right. just energizing them and getting out the vote and getting them energized about um, the next phase of um, leadership so, in this country. So, so the Common Cause was certainly a catalyst or a springboard into you getting onto a campus. It was, was it that, was. Did, 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 that, did that make the desire to be on a campus even more strong? Oh, absolutely. And so following that position, was when I had my first gig in higher ed, real gig in higher ed. And it was at a small community college up in um, northeastern North Carolina, Halifax Community College. And I was hired as a learning coach with an African-American male mentoring program, making $38,000 a year. And I thought I, was, I thought I was balling. Bald. You were in eastern Carolina? Thirty-eight grand, forty, almost forty grand. Young right, single brother. Right, yeah, right. you 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 had a couple of coins on you, brother. At, t- at twenty twenty-five years old, I yeah. was on the top of the top of the world, and then I started teaching. Um, a couple months later, actually, at one of the Cape Centers in Ahoski, North Carolina, not too far from Halifax. Was that a Cape there. Center for Shaw? Yeah, I was okay. teaching there part time. Um, teaching public administration as a faculty member there at 26. And, and where, uh, just for our listeners, CAPE at Shaw is the Continuing Adult Program for Education. What, what was it called, bro? Continuing Adult Professional Education. I go. think it is something like that. Evening, yeah. nights, and weekends programs. Yeah, so. evening, nights, and weekends. Absolutely. Gotcha. And so that was a great experience because I was 26 teaching people who were old enough to be my parents almost. Mm-hmm. It had to be rewarding too, just yeah, to, it was. And, and also probably motivational. I can imagine. It was. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, being a non-traditional student myself, when I when my first summer bridge program at Everwaters College, I was twenty-eight years old. 
So I, mm-hmm. I did. I had a full career, well, eight years in the Marine Corps, and mm-hmm. and at you know worked as a collection agent and sold cars, and then I was at the post office working full time. Mm-hmm. So for me, college, um, being around young folks, it was invigorating and it was also inspiring. So I I, mm-hmm. I always wanted to know what was that like on the other side. So right, right. Um. So leaving Cape and uh, the community college, what was the next step? Where'd you go from there? And and actually talk to me about why you felt the need to step, um, uh, to make another step. Like what, 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 what made you think, yeah, done this. It was, this was fun. Now I'm done. Uh, yeah. It's time for another challenge. What, what, how, how did that happen? Sure. So, you know, I, it was a grant program um, that, that I was working as a part of there. And so, you know, with those programs, you may have a job, as you know, um, two years later or three years or five years after the grant is over. Who knows? It just depends on whether or not the institution institutionalizes the program. Mm-hmm. But um, they ended up doing so. But I just had, had gleaned so much from that particular opportunity as a learning coach and learning things about financial aid, learning things about just counseling students in general, learning things about the advisement process, the enrollment process. So I had a wealth of knowledge that I was ready to take to the next level. Um, although Halifax Community College was a predominantly black institution, which people don't really, some folks outside the space don't really know the difference between PBI and HBCU. I really wanted to get on that HBCU campus, so up comes an opportunity for um, a position at Virginia Union University up in Richmond, not very far from where I was originally from, two hours or so from my hometown in, town in North Carolina. So I applied for the position, didn't get the position. It was a trio director position because I thought I was ready to be in a director's capacity at that point. Didn't get it uh, a couple days later. Um, which, which, um, I, I always, you know, just show my gratitude to Dr. W. Franklin Evans, who's the president at Voorhees College for mm-hmm. seeing enough in me, although there were some things that he wanted in that director's position that he didn't think I quite had, mm-hmm. but there was another position that, that he considered me for, which was the freshman experience coordinator. Um, let, 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 let me ask you really quick, though. Did did yeah. he expound on why you didn't get the job? Yeah, he did. Tell, tell he me did. about that and how helpful was that? And and did it did it crush you? Did it did were you were you? I, I know you said you were grateful for him, but were were you mm-hmm. were you glad to get some honest feedback from from an interviewing process? Absolutely. Um, you know, he told me, he said, sir, you have all of the skill sets that, that we need on the counseling side and working with students. I see your resume is great. Um, you, 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 you've excelled very fast. And that, that was his, his point. He said, I want, I want to groom you a little bit more. He said, because I see some development here. And he said, we have a person that's transitioning out because actually the person that was in that capacity went to the director's position that I had applied for. And he said, but I'm going to offer you his old position. And so he told me the duties of that position, which was to coordinate 
um, the um, freshman seminar course and advise freshmen, really almost like an assistant dean or something of freshman studies is basically what it was. And, um, you know, he said, this will be great for you and then we'll propel you forward um, to where you, I see you going. He saw it before I saw it. He said, because you're going to do great things. He said, just spend some time in this position. You'll learn some things. You'll be over the summer bridge program. You'll learn about budgeting because he said that was a really big part of it, budgeting and grant writing, which I did not have a lot of experience with, and then managing staff, which I did not have a lot of experience in. Mm. He said, so once you do this, you will be ready for that director's position. And so I worked there, had a great time, and Virginia Union really um, set me on that true pathway for working on the college campuses in the various capacities that that I have been able to do so far. Excuse me, shout out to Dr. W. Franklin Evans, president of Voorhees College and former president of South Carolina State University. Um, right. He's he's a brilliant um, academic academician, scholar yeah. and administrator. Um, and we we're hopefully we'll have him on the podcast here pretty soon. But I I, I caught what, what you said about him telling you, yo, you, you you're not ready here. Uh, but thank God for people who see stuff in us that we don't see, who can recognize uh, and also um, who empower us to get to where we want to go. I mean, I mean, that's just so um, I don't know how often that happens. Um, I know it's happening, but I, I posit that it should happen more, much more frequently because you hear horror stories about people holding folks down and and, um, you know, keeping them from realizing their potential. So it's always great to hear um, how yeah. people help folk get to where they need to go. Absolutely, man. And, and you know, the other day I was just um, going through some things in in my apartment and I happened to come across a folder. Um, and in the folder it had the, the um, recommendations for my application for the PhD program at um, Jackson State. And, mm-hmm. I, and I read the letter that Dr. Evans wrote me and um, I was like, wow. And so it's, it's just good to see how people pour into you, what, how if they see enough in you and you prove yourself and you do the work and you're committed, um, you'll get to where you need to go. What do you think some of those attributes were that, that folks saw in you? Not only Dr. Evans, but what do you think some, as you were climbing, what do you think some of the attributes were that set you apart from others? Because clearly there were other assistant directors and co-directors and directors and, and folk who had aspirations on the campus. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what do you think separated you from, from those? So I think it's important. And, and one of the things that I think, and not to pat myself on the back, is that I listen to people. Mm. Um, you can't... Um, and even on the executive level, think that you know everything. Mm. Um, you have to listen. You have to be a team player. You have to have a positive attitude. And um, if you're knocked down, get back up. And yeah. always learn from the mistake that you made. Um, and I think that listening piece can't be echoed enough. Um, learn from those who've been where you are. Um, and in those positions like that, it's important to listen to faculty. Um, I think on the HBCU campus, you can't listen to faculty enough. 
um, because they they are engaging with the students almost more than anybody on the campus. But, and I um, mean, they you, yeah, you're they absolutely right about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, they were very helpful to me. When when people leave the campus, uh, the president that is there, he or she or chancellor, is something that they will remember. But the people they spend most of their time with are the professionals, uh, the paraprofessionals and and the scholars on the campus. And, you know, if you're uh, I was a political science major and my last two years were spent with Dr. Easy Oguiri, the second and Dr. Cornelius E. Jimifor. I will never mm-hmm. forget them because they uh-huh. made me a better student for law school unbeknownst mm-hmm. to what I was, I had no idea, but I, your point is well taken. And I think even as an administrator for me now, um, and dealing with title three data, um, mm-hmm. a, a little known fact about title three, um, is that it's a, it's a, it's a really a formula that helps each institution with their school, um, with their Absolutely. money from the federal government. And one of those is where are your students? How many of your students are going to graduate school? Um, And so who has that answer? Faculty members. I don't care what exit entrance, uh, exit exam that people are having. You can always circle back with faculty members and ask, how many of your students went to graduate school and where are they they now? Yeah. Where are they and even where they're working? Yeah, they so they so they I'm I'm sorry to interject there, but that is a a Mm -hmm. point um, to to affirm uh, your assertion that we really need to listen to faculty members, um, you know, all throughout. Now, you know, I have been a a member of the faculty. I did at Murray State and again at uh, Livingstone. Um, They can be special, but uh, (laughs) that does not mean uh, that there is not invaluable information that comes from that sector on a campus. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Virginia union was the first space on a college campus that you toiled. Um, what, what was next? And, and, and tell me again, what did you do at Virginia union? So freshman experience coordinator. So there I was responsible for, you know, the student success course, um, freshman seminar, summer bridge, that transition from um, high school to college. That was my responsibility. Okay. And so go ahead. Yes. I was going to say to answer your question after um, Virginia union was, I I, I decided, and, and one of the things too, and, if you know me, you know I'm a very spiritual person. Like, God leads and directs me in every area of my life. I'm not ashamed to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of, what I do when, I, when I'm ready to move, um, and, and I'll, you know, I'll be honest, I, I really left Virginia Union because at this point I was I was going to Jackson State and I needed more money to get down there on that plane <laughs> um, <laughs> once a month. Yes, sir. I'm saying, what am I going to do, Lord? I need to, I need, and, and, and one of the things about um, moving forward, everything is not going to be easy. There are some, most people who have arrived to VP levels on campuses or like organizations or presidents, that they've struggled. Like it's not, it has not come easy. And it's so scary, brother. I, Preach. Yeah, I, re- 
<laughs> I remember um, visiting the, the the human resources at Virginia Union when I got enrolled at Jackson State, and I stopped contributing to my 401k because I figured I said, well, if I stop doing that, I'm young enough. I'm only 20-something. I'll have about $300 a month a to get more. down there mm-hmm. to, to, to buy my plane ticket. And that's what I did. But I still needed more money just to make things balance out. So then fate had it and God had it. So I landed in a great place, which was the University System of North Carolina System Office. Mm. So the office that oversaw all um, 16 or 17 constituent institutions. I did not know you worked at the system. I did. I did. And and so I've, I've been in contact with some great people. My my division vice president was Carrie Dixon, who is now the Shit chancellor. Of, yeah, who is now the chancellor of Elizabeth City, and so I mean, I you know, I, fate has just been great to me, um, and so, and just God in general, just just the the the, the stars aligning themselves to put me in the paths and work under great people, and so I was hired there as director of college success services, a part of their gear up, their statewide gear up grant. And my job was to work with, I'm back off the college campus now, but still working in higher ed. And so my job was to partner with low achieving school districts across the state of North Carolina and implement what we call at the system office, a college going culture. And so in those school districts, helping students gain the skill sets to complete the ACT and the SAT with high marks for college entrance mm. to, to attain the necessary skill sets that they needed to identify what they should major in and um, helping parents understand that whole FAFSA completion process. So all of those things that are related to college access, I had an opportunity to leave for about three years. Um, at the UNC system office as a part of the larger gear up grant under the leadership of now Chancellor Dixon at Elizabeth City State. So that was a great opportunity. Um, And I think, honestly, and when I talk about God being a guiding force for me, if you kind of step back and whomever you believe in, Mm -hmm. um, whatever that being is, that higher being, and most people have that source, let that guide you. Um, don't be so um, anxious that you, you're not really looking at how a position or an opportunity will mold you for the next thing, if that makes sense. Oh, no, no doubt. I mean, you know, first, uh, brother, you have had a rich um, road and um, it's always good to build community with people and just to learn a little more. Now yeah. I'm understanding Stevie Lawrence a little more, um, yeah. but but taking stuff away, knowing when to move. Uh, first, knowing when to move is really really important because oftentimes people are jumping for positions, yeah, and they're miserable. Mm-hmm. And you you said something that I, I want to really talk about and get your take on. Um, and just have you expound on you. You talked about your faith. Um, but I, I believe that if people really sat uh, in a space of faith, 
they'd be able to see red flags and hear red flags as it relates to um, these opportunities that we're jumping towards. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I get it to be the young vice president or the young president is cool and everybody wants to do it, but it means absolutely nothing if you can't hold it and your, your, your place uh, of, um, of stature, which I call the Vita, um, or your resume is littered with one offs, two offs, one here, two here, one, one year there, two here, you know, mm-hmm. just over and over and over. Mm-hmm. It doesn't suggest that the person is bad to me. It suggests that they are absolutely horrible in finding fit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. faith for me has always been my guiding light, my North Star as it relates to opportunities that I'm going to. Mm-hmm. And what I mind. learned, and, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because early in my career, I did do the, I would stay two years, but and that was, and that was contributed to me trying to find, in some ways, the right space, but it was also attributing to, or, or related to some of those things that I talked about financially. So you have to weigh um, those things out, and oftentimes do what's best for you. But what I will say to that is once you get at a place where you're 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 making enough money because that is important. Oh, absolutely. And and the work environment is pretty good because there's not going to be a perfect work environment anywhere you go. At least for the new professional, I would say, you know, people looking or just now getting into the field, try to really commit to 3 years. 3 years to me says that you stay there long enough to really learn about the institution, do some impactful things, and you left a mark, depending upon where you worked or what your capacity was um, that you served in. And so as I got to the UNC system, I said, I have to, you have to start making a commitment to stay um, at, over a period of time. And that's what I said to myself. I said, I have to stay here three or four years. And I was able to stay for three but then you spoke to something else, which is important, knowing when to move. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really important. And, and being able to be guided by God and that and your professional um, your professional outlook for yourself, you'll know when to move. Some people move too quickly. Some people don't move quick enough. Yeah. That that much is true. Um, yeah. And you can, I think it was Dr. Diane Suber who said, uh, sometimes we stay too long at the fair. Um, Absolutely. You, you know, when, when and, and everything is really predicated on individual, their feel. All I'm yeah. suggesting is that we have to spend more time really trying to focus on fit um, mm-hmm. rather than, um, you know, money and or. Um, title because I can mm-hmm. tell you this if you are listening to whomever um, the spirit is whoever your God is or if you're you know in tune to yourself I, I say God because I have never looked at a job based on money but the mm-hmm. provision has always been more than I ever thought it would be because I was listening to the voice right yeah um, listen yeah, leaving leaving Murray State University um, and taking a thirty thousand dollar pay cut to come mm-hmm. at, at Livingstone College for mm-hmm. me, 
uh, made sense. Um, and it made sense because I was going to be fulfilled and happy. And I actually got a title um, change that was greater than what I had at this big public 12,000 uh, student school. And here mm-hmm. I am at a you know 1,200 HBCU, but I was immediately a senior administrator. So that yeah. shot my career, the trajectory. I, I mean, it just put me on uh, on some rollerblades when folks were yeah. just walking, you know? So I think, I think what, what I'm happy that you did was really talk about, um, faith and, and, and let's move on to knowing when it's time to leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's time to move, I think, um, you, you, if, if, if a person is in tune, a professional is really in tune to themselves and, um, they know their desires and they're communicating with whomever that person is for me, as you said, God, he'll give you a yearning or a burning to do more. And so what happens is if that more is on your campus or an organization where you work, sometimes those opportunities will present themselves the right where you are, um, which happened for me at Fort Valley state. And I guess we'll talk about that a little later. Um, but when you get that yearning and that desire to do more, I think that's when you should act and start to look mm-hmm. at um, moving on to something else. But one of the key things I think, too, is is to have a conversation. Everybody should have a couple of mentors. And I say a couple because they give you different takes or spins on Absolutely. how should, should should go. And so before you get ready to make that move, have a conversation. Um, with 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 a person who's probably um, either at the level by which you're trying to get to, or several steps ahead of you, so they can help guide you to what the next thing for you should look like, or get their take on some opportunities that you're looking at, so they can try to help you determine or 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 find out where this then takes you next. Yeah, I think it's also important that people who are seeking um, advice, be completely honest with the people they're seeking advice from. Absolutely. Right. Um, because oftentimes a, a mentor or a sage in your village is really responding to the information that you give them. And they, they couple that with their experiences, um, their savvy, um, their leadership, their, um, overall uh, outlook on who you are, who they know you to be, and um, also what it is that you're articulating to them that you have aspirations and in moving into. Like if we, if, if I'm surface, you're one way with me and I don't know that you're a nasty person who doesn't come to work oftentimes and you have piss poor work product, but around me, you present yourself to be well. Um, my information will be based on on who you show me to be uh, and it won't be who you really know yourself to be. And oftentimes, right. you know, that that can end up bad in terms of what I think of you. If you're honest and I, I went to the extreme about what a person could be concealing. But if you're not honest about work ethic and I know you're going into a place where the president is a zealot or the organization are they're just hard workers you're smart 
but they compute hard, uh, smart with, you know, being at work before leaving after. What is the, 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 you know, what's the fit at the place? That's why I say fit is so really important, because if you want me to tell you who you or where you're going, if it's good advice, I'm going to do my due diligence and try and figure out what's the culture like there. And I'm going to base, you know, my feedback based on what I know about who you are. Um, right. And if you're not who you purport to be, I'm going to feel really bad about sending you somewhere. Had I known uh, was not good for the way you are set up, then that 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 would make me feel bad for you. Um, but it would also make me mad a little bit, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because these places are all of them are unique. And they are what you found in your spaces. You leave Virginia Union, you go to the system, you go from, you know, a black college space to a place that has a goo gob of money, resources and power. Um, And then you find yourself. What was the next space? Was it was it Fort Valley? Yeah, after it was Fort Valley, after I um, had, had worked three years at the UNC system, um you know, and, and there were candid conversations because at that point I'd finished my PhD while being in the UNC system and, mm-hmm. you know, just having those conversations with those that were around me. Stevie, it's time for you. And, and if you and if you have the the right leadership, as we talked about a little earlier, they'll let you know. Yeah. yeah. If, if, they're, if they're really um, confident that you have what it takes to go to the next step. To the next level. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so I think... Um, and and if I may interject also Go ahead. also people who are confident in your skill set and also unselfish. You would That's be right. great to stay here and it would make my job much easier. But it is going to be better for you. It's gonna hurt me, but it's gonna be better for you to take that next step. Those yeah. are the, those that that is an understated attribute uh of leadership, you know, unselfishness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just um, having conversations with those who were around me at the UNC system, um, you know, so what's next, Stevie? And so I started to look, and I mean, at this point, and having an opportunity like that on your Vita, like it propels you into a space with getting interviews everywhere. And so at that point, with that UNC system being on my, my Vita, almost every application that I completed, I had an interview for it. And um, I knew it was because of that. Um, and so, but I wanted to be at an HBCU. Yeah. And so I wanted to be back in that space and letting God lead and direct because that's this how I, that's how I kind of make decisions. And um, I was, it came down to really two positions. One was a faculty position and um, the other was um, an administrative position at Fort Valley. And mm-hmm. so actually I made the decision by ask, asking my sister, I said, what do you think I should do? She said, I think you should go to Fort Valley. And um, I ended up at Fort Valley and um, serving there as executive director for retention services, center for retention services. And, that was a wonderful opportunity. Um, 
that I oversaw freshman experience, second year experience, disability services, trio student support services, all the academic um, support services for the entire campus for mm-hmm. undergraduate students. And so I went there in the latter part of 2015, and within a couple of months, there was a resignation um, of a person serving as VP for student affairs. I was thrust into serving in that capacity um, on an interim basis for almost a year. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. And then um, the administration decided that they wanted to kind of transition from the Center for Retention Services to a university college model. Mm-hmm. And so having been in the UNC system and that being a, a um, model that many of the institutions use, particularly the uh, HBCUs used for uh, student success, um, I was able to give a lot of feedback on how to implement that. Let me, and um, Let me ask you a question, Stevie. Go ahead. What was more valuable? Was it the bump? that came serving an interim or was it the experience the financial Hmm. bump that is what was more valuable the experience would you have would you have did did you did you actually get a bump for oh yeah okay i did i did and so it wasn't even about that at that point let me ask you this though would would you have had the had the president not said to you there's going to be an extra little something for you. How would you have managed that process? I still would have took it. Okay. I would have took it because what happened was I was serving in an interim capacity over um, student affairs enrollment management, mm-hmm. and I was still serving in my executive director's role. So I had oversight for every student services focused office on the campus except for um, the registrar's office because mm-hmm. that reported directly um, to the provost. So yeah, I was stretched to the max. Um, but what, what, I mean, if, what advice would you give um, young administrators who find themselves, um, and I wanna hear your perspective and I'll tell you mine afterwards, um, but while I was at Livingstone, I managed um, ath- athletics. I was the interim AD and also the interim student affairs um, VP for mm-hmm. um, a total of about two years. And mm-hmm. um, so I had that experience too. But what, what, uh, how do you manage that process? Um, and what would you say to those who believe that if you are interim or serving in the interim, it better come with some interim money. Um, what was the last part? I didn't quite hear you. What would you say to those who find themselves in a position where their work product is strong enough that someone would even say to them, Hey, I need you to hold this spot down until someone else comes, but there's no conversation about loot money. What, how would you advise them to manage that process? Still do it. Still do it. Because, and and I I don't even think that a conversation about money is necessary because oftentimes people people will see what your response is going to be and then they might offer you money afterwards. They'll Mm -hmm. say, can you serve as interim? And then you say, yeah, sure. And then they say, all right, 
and they'll put you in a capacity. Maybe a week later, they might come back and say, now we're going to um, give you this extra. So mm-hmm. People are, leaders are sometimes looking for character and yes. commitment. And if you really, 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 really are into this work, you're going to commit to it. To doing it. Um, and, and the other piece of it is you got to think about how this positions you and how it um, helps you learn from a different level. Um, you know, being an executive director, I was still engaged in many um, high-level conversations and meetings on campus. But then being put up to that interim VP, which was only supposed to be for maybe two months. It ended up being almost 10 months. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I got a real good stint of what it really meant to be a VP for student affairs and enrollment management. Um, And so I think that that's going to be really rich. Um, I had a similar instance where I was um, holding down the VP for student affairs. And I remember it vividly sitting in on the blue carpet, which is what we called the office uh, at there mm-hmm. at Livingstone college. Nobody wanted to walk on the blue carpet because that meant you were going to see Jimmy Jenkins and, um, and Hey, I need you to do this. Um, I'm going to introduce you. You're going to be overseeing this, that, and the other. And I still need your help in finding the next person. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm happy and it was a jovial moment and it was cool. And I was thinking to myself personally, like, oh, man, this is rich. I'm a VP for Uh advancement. You've already blessed me with going over in um, athletics. I was an AD there. And same thing happened. We didn't talk about money. A week later, he said, here's a little something extra. Mm hmm. Then the student affairs piece comes. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this dude is giving me experience on top of experience. I'm going to get to be able to be a president one day. Right. And when I get into the interview, I'm going to be able to talk about what had happened. Um, Mm -hmm. No pun intended, um, as opposed to what I think I would do as a president. I can say, hey, these are some experiences that I've I've leaned on. we're walking out the door, Stevie. And I said to uh, President Jenkins at the time, uh, does this come with any more money? He stopped in his tracks, said, come in, let me talk to you. Closed the door, went back in and gave me a lesson that I'll never forget. He said, let me, let me tell you something. Everything that you do around here shouldn't be about money. And I am almost of the mindset that I should just go find someone or find someone else uh, to do this work. If your best is predicated on you getting some more money, is that the case? And man, let me tell you something, dude, I felt so small, so simple and so stupid, but I was honestly, it was an innocent conversation. Um, but what I learned there was that your work speaks for you. And that character matters more than money, number two. And number three, people who are in charge of the purse strings know what capacity they have and are already thinking about doing more for you. Sometimes it's about timing. And so however you uh, find yourself, whenever you find yourselves in these situations, um, be very careful about what comes with the interim 
uh, title. But I right. agree with you. Take it because that experience is going to be worth 10 times more than any little bump that you might get for doing Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So, so you find yourself at Virginia, at Fort Valley, mm-hmm. and um, you've been there for five years. Good, strong clip. I think and I did. I did four, about four and four. Four and some four, change. Four. Just under, just under five. Yeah. Okay. And uh, another opportunity comes along. How does that happen? Are Are you in a space where you're open to the opportunity? Are you, um looking to move. And I also think that we shouldn't overlook this one piece, which was probably why you left some of your spaces is that it's a clog, uh, uh, a, a clogged space. If you will, Mm -hmm. people come into your boss, boss may not be going anywhere and your boss may not be going anywhere. And sometimes people look around like, Hey, if I want to be here for another 30 years, I can do it. And I'll probably tap out as a director. Um, but uh, you know, opportunities come and go. Uh, and there are some other opportunities while I like it here. I may want to, for the sake of advancement, uh, in, in my career, I may want to go somewhere else. Is that kind of like what happened at, um, at Fort Valley State or like how did that process of you leaving happen? Yeah. So, so after the interim role and then bringing in a new person because we were establishing the um, university college, I moved into leadership of that, which was much similar to what I was doing as as executive director, but different title, different concept, um, as well as there were some major, um, institutional task forces that I got to sit on and lead. We did a whole investigation of student engagement and established a new program for that. And I served along with a senior faculty member uh, with leading that campus-wide project. So so there mm. were a number of projects. That's rich. Um, that, That's really rich. Yeah, yeah, that I had an opportunity to lead in that capacity, even as dean of university college. So I did that for two years two additional years. And so at that point, I'm like, okay, um, I'm kind of tired of the student success stuff because outside of my experience with um, the UNC system, that had been my work throughout the last, I guess, you know, maybe 10 years of my career was really the student success and leading some student affairs areas. So I wanted something different. I didn't know if I wanted to be on a campus and I, I, I knew I wanted something different, but I still wanted to stay in higher ed. <clears throat> so a friend of mine, I think I may have mentioned to somebody, I was kind of looking and thinking they sent me this position um, at the Southern Regional Education Board where I am now. And I read it. And if you know anything about SREB, it's a longstanding um, nonprofit um, organization that um, works to improve education at every level from K-12 to doctoral level. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, yeah, right, but I'll put it in anyway. And so I put the position in, put the, you know, I submitted all the application materials. And um, as God leads and fate has it, I am at um, uh, SREB today. And so it's very interesting because it was a very um, rich position. 
was originally vice president for post-secondary education policy and research. So a lot in that position that I would have been initially responsible for. And um, what happens is there was another young man um, who, who he and I knew each other and we were both competing for the position. And it was the longest process um, ever, <laughs> uh, the longest process. And, you know, I just, you know, I'd, I'd been in some searches, but not a search of this caliber. Mm -hmm. And so that search lasted from early April until almost mid-August. And so I'm like, what is going on, God? And, you know, I'm like, I'm right here at the doors, just move me through this get me through this. He was calling references and I'll get a bit of information here, a bit of information there to know I was still in the process. But in essence, what had happened was the president there, and I'm not disclosing any information that's confidential because mm -hmm. he shares it all the time. He decided to, because myself and the other person were such great candidates, he decided to break the position down and hire two VPs. Oh, wow. One for development because he needed to open a development office, which they did not have. And then he still allowed me to serve in the VP for post-secondary education in that capacity. And I've been there since September of 2019. And in that capacity, I'm overseeing some really major uh, initiatives, academic current market, um, state reciprocity agreements, um, the nationally known doctoral scholars program, which seeks to increase faculty diversity across the country um, at colleges and universities, um, our research area for higher education. So it's a phenomenal position, again, away from a campus, but still working in higher education um, in a different capacity. And so all that said, just let the pathway lead you. It may look crazy. You don't understand how it's, how the stars are going to align and get you to where you're trying to go or what your goal is, but God will take you where you need to be. And so this, I um, ended up at, um, at SREB. And one of the things that just popped in my mind is be patient. Um, when you're trying to move, make sure you're taking the right position um, because we can see positions, we apply for, for positions, go through the process. That's not what, not what God wants us to have. It's not where he wants us to be. Um, and he'll give you everything that you need Absolutely. Um, as, as you move forward. Absolutely. Um, Rich, man. Rich, brother, Rich. I'm I'm really happy. Um, you know, selfishly, I, I hate when people leave the HBCU space, especially good, solid brothers and sisters. I uh, love when they come and go, but I know what work you're doing, and and invariably, I know that you'll find yourself back on a campus, or a campus will find you back oh, on its campus. Um, yep. This has been um, a pleasure, man. We got a, we got a couple more things that we got to do before we get up out of this piece. Um, one, uh, we've got to talk um, some rapid fire questions. Um, I haven't okay. submitted those to you, so you, you know, just be a good sport and, and ride out with it. Um, and then we're going to talk about um, uh, just give you an opportunity for your parting shots. Uh, before I do okay. that, though, I have a funny question. Um, sure. 
And I do this at health all the time. And I talk to people about the importance of being loyal um, mm-hmm. and not how people might think it is. It's not about me. Uh, this is about you. In fact, are you mm-hmm. a part of any loyalty programs? Uh, expound a little bit. Car, airline, hotel. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. How long ago did you start? Um, when, when do you, do you remember when the first, the first time you joined a loyalty program? Uh, or rewards program? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh my goodness. A long time ago, probably, you know what? The first experience was with Jackson state and staying in the Marriott. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I started getting, wait a minute. Points. Wait, 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 wait. They let y'all have those points. Mm-hmm. Yo, they didn't let us. I got to call. I got to call cohort three because they that's, did that's, not. That's, you were they in did, the early stage. Yeah, they so, did not. Right well, we raised enough hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We so raised we enough hell. Oh, man, and, that, that's good. Uh, then I did um, the Delta points, too. Oh, um, man, you saw You're a Delta guy? Yeah, I'm a oh, Delta guy. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm I'm low key a hater um, when it comes to this. I, I am an American Airlines guy and mm-hmm. I've been with them for, you know, 15, 20 years now. Okay. And uh, and I know that we are number 10 of 10. I think spirit might be ahead of us. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know who else, but I know American is number 10 of 10 as it, as it relates to customer service and mm-hmm. um uh, uh, on time, but I'm still loyal to them joints. And yeah, uh, but, of course, living in Atlanta, man, I gotta be a Delta. Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, uh, before the merger, I was a SPG guy, um, mm-hmm. rather than Marriott. How about you? Uh, I think I've always been Marriott, okay. and I think I do have a Hil- I do have a Hilton, um, rewards, but I I tend to to use the Marriott one the most. Yeah. I, I, what we're talking about for the listeners out there is the importance of you making your money work for you, or in some cases, your institution's money work for you. Um, right. If you are not a part of a loyalty program, hotels, rental cars, um, uh, airline, uh, I would suggest during this COVID-19 time to figure out which one you fancy. Uh, and stay the hell away from the uh, price lines and travelocities and all that good stuff. Because at the end of the day, once you see that rate there, you go to your airline and it's going to be the same rate. The yep. challenge that you have, if something goes wrong on one of those, you got to wait and go through third party as opposed to going and dealing with the airlines, the air, the hotel or the rental car places. Um, and once you're there long enough, you'll find yourself not having to pay for stuff and getting freebies. I don't buy first class tickets, uh, but I always right. get upgraded always. Right. Um, and, uh, hotels, rental cars, all of that good stuff. And you accumulate points and then you find yourself in a space where you can, um, go on, on, on vacations with your family and not spend a dime. You're using the points and the miles. So I wish someone had told me at the very beginning of my professional career to, um, be a loyal member of a hotel airline. So I just want to, in the spirit of, uh, sharing, want to, want to throw that out there. 
Yeah. Um, rapid fire question, man. Favorite dessert? Oh, favorite dessert. Uh, cheesecake. Cheesecake. Um, the greatest of all time, basketball. Uh, I would say Michael, because it's my era. Michael Jordan. Um, LeBron or uh, Leonard? Uh, LeBron. Um, Flojo or Marion? What's that now? Flojo, Jackie uh-huh. Joyner. I, I meant Flojo. Yeah. Um, okay. Or or Marion. Flojo. Um, Usain Bolt or Michael Johnson? Say that again. Usain Bolt or Michael Johnson? Michael Johnson. Um. Let's see. Um, Al Gore. No, no, mm-hmm. not not Al Gore. We'll go George Bush one or George Bush two. Hmm. George Bush one. Have you have you uh, as a side note have you had um, any time to really dig into the biographies of of those two gentlemen? I have not. Okay. I have not. I, I ask this question to everybody. I, for me, I've come to really appreciate both of them as human beings. I'm, I'm pushing politics aside. Um, and some people, you know, this will probably bother some people. I, I really don't give a damn. Um, but I see human beings and I can separate their policies, even though there may be times where it seemed at disadvantageous um, for us as African-Americans. I still have... Uh, I think, um, you know, this desire to connect with people. Um, and so yeah. I, I really like both of them after looking at um, some learning about how they've carried themselves over decades with people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's it's always fascinating. Um, yeah. Uh, A&T's homecoming or Howard's homecoming? Now, come on, man. You know, I'm going to say a and <laughs> Okay. 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 Um <laughs> Um, you are not Greek though, right? Come on, brother. You know, I am. Kappa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the greatest fraternity known to man? Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. Period. Uh, for period. all you alpha, period. <laughs> for all you alphas <laughs> out there. Um, favorite Sunday dinner. And then last favorite gospel group i know you have like a a local gospel group or one that might not be as worldwide so let's talk about that group and then let's talk about uh your favorite gospel choir group like that that's that's different from gospel group so sure so favorite sunday dinner yeah so um ribs fried chicken Cabbage, macaroni cheese, peach cobbler. My man. Gospel group. All right. So anybody knows me, knows me that, knows that I sang for quite a bit of time and still do when I have an opportunity, but just kind of based on my location, a family gospel group called The Chosen Few. So it's kind of like a 
anybody know anything about the South gospel quartet music yes, sir. is a big thing. And so if, if, if you like that kind of thing, which I happen to. So great group, which is nationally known, but you have to be in tune to this music. Favorite right. gospel is the McDonald's sisters, period, point blank, hands down. Um, love them. <laughs> um, and, 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 What's your and favorite I'm, song that they sing? All of them. All of them. All of them. Is there one that mainstream might know that they tear up? Hmm. So their their, their trademark song probably will be Prayer Changes Things, Mm -hmm. uh, recorded in the early 90s, probably 9293. Um, And so that's typically, if you go to one of their concerts, everybody wants to hear that particular. Want to hear that, yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're not going to sing. They're not going to do a performance without singing that. All right, favorite choir hmm, would be Mississippi Mass Choir. You know, that Mississippi uh, Mass is is a beast. Uh, <laughs> but that Georgia Mass ain't too far behind them either, brother. Georgia ain't too far behind. I say Mississippi because I think they have um, master being able to do the very churchy uh, songs that get you up, patting your feet, clapping your hands. Well, their 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 total praise rendition is just the standard yeah. for me, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so, and I and I just like the the massiveness of Mississippi Mass Choir and how they're yeah. able to just master the sound and just all of that choreography that goes along with it. Man, it's been a pleasure, brother. Um, Absolutely. We, we're going to let you close us out with any parting shots or parting thoughts if you have anything that you'd like to share on your way out the door. Sure. Um, you know, my parting thoughts are that, um, you know, ed- education is great. It, it is a wonderful um, career of choice. It's not for everybody. I think very much that it is a calling, um, particularly higher education is a calling because it's not easy work. And um, for those who listen to this um, podcast, if this is something that you're thinking about getting into, really do your research and really understand what you're getting yourself into. Um, and if you're looking to really get into the HBCU space, really understand what that means for your career. And um, I think once you do that, and if you're led by God, I say, and whoever your um, source of power is in your life, you'll, you'll reach your goal. But the main thing is service to the people, the students, and the institution by which you serve. Those are my words. Well said. You are listening to Four Thoughts of Our Founders, the podcast for the Higher Education Leadership Foundation. We had a really special guest today, uh, Dr. Stevie L. Lawrence II, um, who is now um, doing big, 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 big things in the great state of Georgia with the um, a nonprofit organization. Uh, this brother has been a blessing to us today. Um, and I want to thank you once again for coming to share with us today, brother. Appreciate you, Stevie. Appreciate it. What a wonderful day. 
Uh, we're really excited about um, all the others to follow Stevie. This Who's Next podcast has been just a blessing for us here at the Higher Education Leadership Foundation. I'm Herman Felton signing off, or signing off for the um, compadres uh, that I labor in this vineyard with. Alfred uh, Anthony Pinkart, president of Wilberforce University, Melva uh, Christie Williams, who is uh, vice chancellor for student affairs and enrollment management, both at SUSLA, uh, that's Southern University Shreveport, and also SUNO, Southern University New Orleans, and also um, the maestro, um, the uh, chief of information and technology at uh, Wiley College, Mr. Gregory Dees. Until the next time, join a damn loyalty program, be safe, uh, and be kind.